everyone. Welcome back to A Girl, A Guy, and a Buffy podcast. I'm Kate, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Charles. So yeah, welcome to the second part of our finale for our season one. Um, last time that we talked about misogyny in the show, in the Buffyverse. And this time we're we're going to be talking about rape culture. So we do want to just give a content warning that we will be talking about rape and sexual assault and sexual harassment and power dynamics. Um, if that is a topic that you're just not able to listen to right now, um, please, you know, we completely understand, do whatever you need to for your own emotional and mental health. Um, We will also put some resources in the show notes um, for mental health and sexual assault um, organizations and services that are available for anyone who may need those. So please definitely take care of yourselves. Um, You know, that comes first for us. You know, our Buffy the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, and it is a spoiler-filled podcast, and we're talking about the entire series as a whole, and looking at it through the lens of our the season's big bad, which is feminism, and asking questions like, is it a feminist show? Uh, you know, was the sex in the show empowering? We have talked about, you know, the misogyny on the show. Was it purposeful? Was it you know, unintentional. And now we're leading up to the biggest bad of all. Yeah. So to kick off uh, the discussion for this episode, we're going to do a little bit of what we did in the last episode, do some, um, give some definitions so that we're level setting about what we're talking about on this topic. So to give a little bit of definition about what is rape culture, the first definition comes from a website called domesticshelters.org. And they say, According to Marshall University's Women's and Gender Center, rape culture is an environment in which rape is prevalent and in which sexual violence against women is normalized and excused in the media and popular culture. Rape culture is perpetuated through the use of misogynistic language, the objectification of women's bodies, and the glamorization of sexual violence, thereby creating a society that disregards women's rights and safety. And then also pulling a definition from Vox. So the one from Vox says, rape culture is a culture in which sexual violence is treated as the norm and victims are blamed for their own assaults. It's not just about sexual violence itself, but about cultural norms and institutions that protect rapists, promote impunity, shame victims, and demand that women make unreasonable sacrifices to avoid sexual assault. And although rape culture has its roots in long-standing patriarchal power structures that were designed to benefit men, today's rape culture burdens men too. For instance, by ignoring the fact that men can be victims of rape, rape and sexual assault, and women can be perpetrators of it, That means that male victims are also left without legal protection and social support. Summing that up, essentially rape culture is the fact that the culture and society allows rape to be permissible and it's it's throughout all of our culture, our pop culture, our daily lives. It's expecting women to have to take precautions to protect themselves while out on the street at night versus teaching people not to sexually assault other people so much throughout a lot of early pop culture um, particularly television you know rape was always 
stranger, a stranger comes in, you know, that's a lot of what like law and order SVU perpetrates. And obviously that happens. There are certainly cases, but as we find out more and more, particularly today, a majority of rape and sexual assault is by someone, you know, right. You know, it's all, I think we have such issues with communication and, and um, consent in our culture that we don't talk about that stuff. So, you know, you can see why it leads to um, rapes and sexual assaults when you're not having the right conversations, when you're not teaching kids from an early age, what consent is, what agency is no. And you know, that no means no, you do unfortunately have, this is part of your society and your culture. And it's one of those things too, that even when you're in a relationship and I, think that's a fallacy too that you can be you know those rapes and sexual assaults can happen even with your with your partner Uh, and there's a lot of intimate partner violence that happens uh, throughout our country and it's it's astonishing the amount of of people who've experienced that both men and women absolutely I mean sadly for the longest time and I don't have the the date on this when this changed but marital rape wasn't legally possible in this country if a, a husband forced sex on his wife that was just them having sex like there was literally no law there was nobody a woman could turn to you could not turn to the police because it was not illegal actually looking that up again it's marital or spousal rape is illegal in every state but it's only been this way since 1993, actually. Oh, wow. And until... It's even worse. Yeah. Uh, there were exemption laws, I think, that started um, gotcha. started to form sure. in the 70s, but it became illegal across the board in 1993. Yeah. And that's from a criminal defense lawyer's website. And of course, we're just talking about the U.S. Um, right. I mean, sadly, in other places in the world, it's... It, it's still that situation or there's, I mean, you know, I, we still certainly have victim blaming in this culture, in this country, but you know, there are certainly other cultures in other countries where it's, where it's even worse. That is for sure. We are going to give some examples of it. And I think we need to break this down into, there are two kinds of sexual assaults or, or rape assaults that happen on Buffy. One is the actual kind that we experience every day and that happens to us. And then there is also the kind that is uh, mystical in nature. Um, And there's a lot of consent that happens, uh, a lot of things that happen mystically that don't allow people to consent to what's going on. And so we're going to break it down into those ways and how it's used, you know, using it for humorous situations, uh, you know, which is an example of that is Giles and Joyce and Band Candy, Buffy and Spike and Something Blue, Buffy and Riley and Where the Wild Things Are, Jonathan and the Twins and Superstar, Buffy and RJ and him, Xander and the potentials and his fantasy during Dirty Girls. So yeah, in those cases... While we do have obviously drugs in our world that can impact um, people's agency and consent, in this case, 
you know, all of the ways these happen could only happen in the show, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they're still questionable, still issues of consent, and yet they're played for a lot more of a laugh and they're not examined for the fact that they have issues of consent and where do they fall on, you know, the potentially fall on the sexual assault spectrum. Um, so moving into out and out sexual harassment and assault examples, you've got Buffy and Xander in the pack. Um, you've got rep reptile boy. Those fraternity um, boys are certainly practice predatory behavior um, towards the high school girls. Uh, Larry slapping um, a girl's ass in the episode phrases. Um, you've got Buffy and the swimmer who tries to sexually assault her and go fish. Angel and Buffy's relationship, which is under the age of consent for California, when they had sex, she was 17 at that time, and currently the age of consent in California is 18. You have Angelus and the maid Margaret, who he rapes in the episode Amends in the flashback. You have Faith based, uh, raping Buffy and Riley when she takes over Buffy's body and has sex with Riley as Buffy. Willow using magic on Tara to forget their fight, and then they have sex. Uh, Warren's attempted rape of Katrina, and then Spike's attempted rape of Buffy. And all of those are real-life examples, and all of those things are things that could happen to yeah. any one of us as well. So yes, um, some of the other violations that happen... Uh, there's slut language used throughout, especially by female characters. Uh, bewitched, bothered, and bewildered, where Xander casts a spell, and then all of a sudden all of the girls are in love with him. That is, you know, that's a form of manipulation right there. Uh, Giles hypnotizing Buffy and then drugging her uh, for the test, and that's, you know, that is, I mean, that's a huge violation of trust there. Uh, that's in Helpless. Uh, Riley asking Buffy to date him while he's her TA. Uh, there's definitely a power dynamic that happens there. That's that's not okay. You shouldn't be dating your TAs. Uh, the person who's grading your papers. Uh, Maggie uh, Maggie watching Riley and Buffy have sex. The IN team. Um, the Buffy bot which is hugely problem. I mean, Spike asking Warren to build the Buffy bot and so that he can have sex with it. Uh, season six as trauma porn. Uh, I think that kind of goes without saying there's so much that happens in, in season six, um, especially between, between Buffy and Spike and the stuff with Warren and, uh, and Katrina and all, and all of that stuff. And then Willow and Tara. Um, and well. Willow and Tara, yeah, as well. So there's a lot of traumatized issues that are happening there. Um, and, yeah, uh, Amy and Willow and the bronze, yeah, where Amy forces a girl to flirt with Willow when they are, you know, when they change the boys and put them into the cages to make them go-go dancers and things like that, manipulating the world to make it to their liking. Uh, Xander telling Dawn about Spike trying to rape Buffy, which is not his place to say. Um, he takes away Buffy's agency and and Dawn's innocence and doesn't allow Buffy to tell her own story. It's not his story to tell. Um, it was done out of spite, not out of any sort of caring. Uh, 
Buffy never has the opportunity to deal with any of the sexual assaults um, or any of her assaults, but there's there's time to focus on what a monster is uh, during season six and seven. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of focus on her and how she's you know how she feels like she's a terrible person and all the things that she has done wrong, but she doesn't get to deal with the things that have been done to her how the first layer is made and get it done i mean that just seeing that and the idea of like her getting chained down and them putting something into her with again without her consent um they just take a girl and and change her life forever without asking her um and face implied backstory and how she believes sex is all she has to offer yeah so that's that's a long list that's a lot. It's a lot. Um, you know, the two of us have pre-meet to discuss our episodes and we were doing this one and it was overwhelming. Um, you know, for as much as we love this show, it is pervasive with elements of rape culture. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to realistically show what women go through as or men in this case too because we have the example with riley it doesn't always feel like it's when you look at it holistically that it needed all of that needed to happen in order to move the stories or the characters forward it starts to feel i can't think of the word for it gratuitous thank you gratuitous (laughs) that is the word i was looking for that's the when you were talking that's the word that kept that popped into my head was it's all and did all of that stuff need to happen? I mean, they're great stories for sure. And the, it ju- I think it just goes to show how much rape culture exists in our world. And that yes. it's such, since it is such a reflection of everything. And if, if the show is a reflection of, you know, that high school is hell and that idea of reflecting all of that, that so there are young women being sexually harassed and raped in in high school and by their classmates, by teachers. And so when we're looking at stuff like Go Fish, which we talked about the last episode, when he is, when he throws Buffy into the water at the end, it's not, you know, it's not just about the guy who uh, tried to, you know, cop a feel with her in the car, the coach then quote unquote pimps her out to the boys because it's not about them feeding on her. It's about them raping her. Right. It's about fulfilling their sexual needs. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the thing about all of this is that, and I, I would say, at least for myself, I can't speak for anyone else, but, you know, this is an area that I think has changed. My perspective has changed on this as we learn and we understand more about the importance of representation and the importance of people who experience whatever the different stories are telling their own story. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, even though I know there are a lot of women writers on this show, I don't know what obviously their life experiences are. So I don't know if they themselves have ever been sexually asked, sexually assaulted, you know, been raped, but so that may be the case. They may be telling some of their own stories through these episodes, but I do feel like it's used much more in a, give a dramatic moment, give a dramatic storyline, or like the first set of examples we gave, play it for the laugh. And that 
that perpetuates the rape culture. It is not a purposeful telling of someone's story in order to show what someone may have gone through. Yeah. And told from that person's perspective. Right. Um, right. And you mentioned Law and Order uh, previously. And I, yeah. and I will, I know we're talking about Buffy, but I am going to sort of move around because I think what Law and Order does, because it is a show that deals specifically with sexual assault and, and rape victims and things like that. And when that show started, and I have watched all 24 seasons, I have watched every episode, all of the seasons, but what happens, what happens is that there's a shift that, uh, that occurs during the seasons. It's very much starts off as trauma porn. If it's very much like gratuitous and there's, and it's very graphic and all of that stuff. And then at some point about 10 seasons in, it sort of shifts and the shift goes from this you know sort of aggressive male thing to it becomes more about the victims in the svu and it talks and it becomes more about their journey and how they can heal and the importance of believing victims and it becomes much more of a restorative show and it talks about Mm -hmm. oh no i would absolutely agree an example i keep hearing about from from critics that I, you know, respect in, in TV and um, that talk about, I may destroy you. I don't know if you've watched that. I have. Yeah. I have. So that's an example that keeps being t- held up as a much more realistic, told from the perspective of the person who experienced it. Yes. Um, you know, and done in, in not a, oh, we just want to traumatize and give them a, a juicy backstory sort of way. Right. And it's, and it's funny that you said that because yes i may destroy you is a great i because i wrote my final paper and i used used that as one of my examples when i was finishing my my graduate work and that show kept coming up in my research too and so i was like i need to watch it i need to see what's going on here yeah and it is such a good show and if you haven't seen it please go watch it uh because it really really is a great a great show and I don't want to spoil too much but it is about a, a woman who um who was sexually assaulted and the thing is that that the show is that's kind of the backstory mm. that's happening it's not it's about her her journey with that and that's her own personal story too like she wrote this she wrote the show because she had this experience happen to her but what happens is we get to see how she's living her life with this living with the assault. Um, and so it's, it's really well done. Um, it doesn't victim blame. It doesn't shame the person for doing it. And it also shows examples of how men are also sexually assaulted, um, especially queer men um, who, when you look at the number of, when you talk about the number of men who get sexually assaulted, that number is significantly smaller than women but then when you look at the number of queer men who have been sexually assaulted that number goes up to like 83 percent yeah yeah well and i remember one of the things the critics saying about that show as well is that as you said it's not all about the sexual assault but that also it's she's a whole person Mm because sometimes she's a terrible person like not a good person yeah she's a real person going through the world as a real person right she's not she's not this fragile thing that's gonna yes. break because right. 
because of this incident. She has right. to keep going. And I think Buffy does the same thing. She has to yeah. she has to keep going through through all of it and has to keep saving the world even though she's being traumatized because this thing happened because you know yeah. all of the time. However, not once does she go to a therapist and she doesn't even process with her friends a lot of this information. And it's yeah. part of the reason why Riley left was yeah. that she shut him out. Um, yeah. Well, I think, you know, you could make an argument early on. I mean, I think that's how, that's partly how Buffy reacts to trauma. And then the other fact of it is you don't have anyone in her life who she feels who is she's safe enough around to push her to open back up mm-hmm. to not shut down show and probably a flaw in the creator's thinking mm-hmm. um i also think how we think about that stuff has changed i don't Absolutely. think that would be acceptable if buffy was created today you, like the fact that she doesn't deal with mental health that she doesn't have once a, a, a real adult in her life who's always there to help her with that side of things. Like Mm -hmm. I do think for me anyway, and and again, this is my perspective. I'm very lucky. I have two great parents who I'm like super close with. I mean, as adults, we become friends, but they're also, you know, still my parents in a way. And so to me, not having anyone like that, at least one person in your life Mm -hmm. who can, who you can open up to, who can support you, which I feel like Giles is for a while. And then, you know, again, I'm not going to, it's not the actor's fault that he wanted to go back to England and be with his family. But the fact that Anthony Stewart had decided to do that, that's fine. But the, the decision they make for while Giles leaves and when Giles leaves, leaving Buffy like at her most, her lowest point in her mental health, her most vulnerable when she's like struggling the most with life where to be honest, as a slayer, when did she have time to like learn life stuff? Mm-hmm. She was like literally saving the world all the time. Right. There was no time to like take a class and learn how to do her checkbook or, you know, right. what does it mean to like get insurance or, you know, you kind of learn that as you go along and she doesn't have that kind of life. So you the know, fact that he like abandons her, like this, you can obviously tell. I'm I'm getting off topic, but I'm ranting <laughs> about it. It's such a thing that drives me insane about this show, and it drives me more insane the older I get. Which is fair, and it's a fair point too. I I, I disagree. And as you were talking about about that, two things came to my head. Two things that we've missed uh, yeah. that I can't believe that we missed. One one an example of another example of rape is. Uh, is Willow resurrecting Buffy? Yeah. Well, it's Willow one of those just, other, uh, other violations yeah, for sure. Yeah, That's a good other point. Other violations like Willow just making Duh. the choice for everyone else to mm-hmm. to bring Buffy back, um, which is a huge violation because she was in heaven and she never asked for it. And that's why yeah. she's miserable now. And that, you know, becomes the trauma for season, you know, six and going into seven. Yeah. Also, I, t- I, redact my statement she does talk to a therapist one time in conversations with dead people again played for humor but we do get she does get to sort of talk about some of that stuff no actually that's not true 
the first time she really does it is the beginning of season three and she has to go to the in beauty and the beasts and she has right. to go to the school counselor i that's loved right that. to me that was actually when i rewatched the show recently that was literally some of my favorite scenes in that early season three mm-hmm. and i'm so sad they killed off his character right. so quickly like i would have loved if she had gotten to go to him for several episodes and started to work through her angels you know mm-hmm. emotions and her through that trauma i just think it would have been like phenomenal but you know they played it a different way as you kind of expected the show back then but it makes me sad because i thought they had such a great dynamic Mm -hmm. and it just to me portrayed you know going to counseling in such a really like wonderful way right i mean and there was so much yeah because there is so much she had to kill her her boyfriend and who went evil and like killed people and after they slept together come on yeah that's (laughs) if that's not trauma i know and her mom doesn't know anything about that's going on in her life so it's not like she can go to her mom and you know i think that again that's one of the best moments between giles and buffy when he picks her up um after stopping was it after yeah the stopping the judge at the The mall Mm -hmm. And he drives her home and he was like, I'm not, I'm not here to blame you, Buffy. I'm just here to like support you. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful moment. That's exactly what she needed. It was the exact right thing to say. I was like, why didn't we get more of that? <laughs> yeah. And she has, I mean, she has a support system. I mean, and there are yeah. moments where, you know, where Willow will say something lovely and helpful and, yeah, you know, and even Xander has his moments, you know, because I was just watching, um, I was made to love you mm-hmm. and you know in April yeah with April and it's just and it's after she's just found out that Spike's in love with her and she's all freaked out about it and she's like beaten up on fluffy Xander and she's just like what's wrong with me like what did yeah. I do what's you know why again blaming herself yeah for the actions of a man who was obsessed with her and the first her first thought is what did i do wrong right what about me makes him this way and xander's like it's not your fault and yeah. it has nothing to do with you and one day she's like well how do i change myself and how do i do this and he says to her that it's not you know that you don't have to change yourself and someday someone's going to look at you and see you for yeah. who you are and love you no matter what. Yeah. Um, which is probably one of the best things that Xander has ever <laughs> ever said. I agree. Now that I now that you're saying that I remember that and I made note in in my notes when I was watching and that was a really a great moment. And I guess part of that is what happens and I'm sure that's also realistic in some ways as particularly in their world where they keep as they go on they experience more trauma and more you know hardships in their life as that happens as you get older you kind of you know almost go more into your own world Mm -hmm. so we can understand why that happens with the friends it doesn't upset me so much with the friends it's more that having that adult in her life so first you take away her mom Mm -hmm. which i just felt like in season five is where they were finally like you find i felt like there was a, a much stronger relationship developed between Buffy and her mom because we actually had Joyce in the show more often. Right. Um, and then you take that away from her. And then the fact that like, and I get it, Giles has his own trauma that he's dealing with in Buffy's death. But I, at the same time, it doesn't mean he's right to leave. 
and to leave her you know, taking away that support system right. that the that her friends just don't have the capability at the moment. They're also all figuring out their lives. It doesn't mean they can't rely on each other, but right. you do need sometimes that older person for whatever, whatever the needs are, whether it's, you know, financial, mental, emotional support. Right. And I think that's, I think that's why conversations with dead people that exchange that she has with him, with him works so well because it is someone that she doesn't know it is a stranger and he says like sometimes it's just easier to talk to a stranger about this yeah and she gets pretty intimate with him about her relationships with angel and spike and what's going on in her life and i think she it's nice for her to to see her get sort of an emotional release and get some perspective on what's happening in her life especially in that moment in time like we're nearing the end of the season it's like come on let's let's take a look the series let's take a look back and look at all the stuff that you've gone through yeah and deal with some of it at least start dealing with some of it yeah and i think you know it's important as a creative to to go in there with that intention in mind and to Mm -hmm. be mindful of those things as you're as you're creating things and that's probably like you said that's probably not something that they were really doing because the mission of it was not about let's protect people's mental health and you know all of this stuff it was let's create a a show about a girl who fights vampires yeah so yeah i mean as we know from multiple interviews and um you know for anyone who who has the dvds and has watched the commentary you know joss whedon has clearly laid out that like his drive was the emotional aspect, the emotional story, the emotional pain, uh, which the first time around seemed like you're like, yes, but now taking a look back, sometimes you're like, maybe that shouldn't have been the only factor. Um, It certainly (laughs) made for like some incredible stories, storytelling performances, Mm -hmm. but you know, and some of these aspects uh, looking over it, the show certainly perpetuated rape culture. Right. And not always to a beneficial storytelling purpose. Right. For example, and I will say, for example, Buffy and Spike's relationship. Yeah, I was going to say, we have have to discuss the elephant in the room. Yeah, I mean. We're taking that on right now. (laughs) I'm just going to dive right into that one. Go for it. I mean, their relationship is, while it's interesting that people ship the relationship so much and it's great and they, the actors have really great chemistry together. Yeah. And it's wonderful to watch them on screen together, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But looking at it from this perspective and, and talking about it, it is probably, arguably, her most unhealthy relationship. Oh, 100%. that is, her relationship with Spike is all based on escapism. It's all based on violence. It's all based on, you know... It, and it's based I, on self-punishment. Yeah, self-punishment. And, For her. Right. And it has nothing to do... She uses him. He is not using her because he's in love with her. And so he's getting fulfillment from, from that. So she's manipulating him in that way. And she even says that she's using him. Yeah. I would argue, I don't even think he's getting fulfillment from it. And he's using her in a way because... He keeps pushing her and manipulating her and being dark with her because I think he knows it's not real. Like, so he thinks he has to 
play mind games with her and and make her lo- feel low in order to keep her. So it's messed up as well. Like I don't think it's yeah. good for him either. It's not who wants to be in that kind of relationship. You know, I think that's his like de- his his vulner- emotional vulnerability mixed with the demon mentality and that's where like um he doesn't have a healthy <laughs> mentality. Let me put it that way. Um you know, cuz I think I can't remember if I said this on a previous episode or just in you and I in conversation, but in rewatching season six in my head, since it had been so long, I thought there were like more moments of tenderness between them, mm-hmm. but not at all. I mean, they're like literally physically throwing themselves. It's like they're fighting through sex. Yes. In addition to physically fighting, like there is nothing good or healthy in their relationship. Right. And this is not to kink shame anybody or to, no, not re- at or all. to do anything about, you know, because there is a difference between, you know, S&M and BDSM and, and the consent 100%. of that versus what what Buffy and Spike are doing, which is hate sex, basically. Yes. You know, she hates and it, it's like she hates herself yep. and she doesn't really like him. So it's, you know, and he enjoys... I think he enjoys the pain. I think he enjoys yeah. sort of the the punishment aspect of it. And well, I think that's all he, he knows. Yeah, you know, and, with Drusilla and and, so and he, Angelus and Darla, right? I mean, that's what they taught him to be. Yeah, so he he's enjoying this part of it, and it allows him to be close to someone that he cares about. Yeah, and yeah, despite the fact that it is maybe not the way that he wants it, but it's the way that he knows it to yeah. be. And so it's okay for him. I th- I mean, at least I think, and it's, it's in not his healthy. Thinking, I would in agree. his thinking. Yeah. In uh, his absolutely. thinking. I totally agree. Um, But from an outsider's perspective, it's absolutely toxic for sure. Yeah. Well, and their relationship also, excuse me, their relationship also shows how sex can really screw things up because before they kissed mm-hmm. at the end of once more with feeling, they had some lovely moments mm-hmm. like he, she could be around him. He, he was quiet. Like he got what it was like. He's the only person or being she knew in her immediate circle who had also had to claw their way out of their grave. Right. You know, so I think if they had never done that, would you know, their relationship during season six obviously would have been very different, right. but crossing that line for all the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. just, I mean, they, it was inevitable that that was going to be that toxic of a relationship. I think. Yeah. And the fact then, the fact that he could hit her, that the chip didn't work on her. Right. That's the other element that changed the situation. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't there, that also might have um, tempered the relationship. I still think it would have been hate sex, at least on Buffy's part, for sure. Right. <laughs> she was not in a, a state to be in a sexual or romantic relationship especially with with spike who she only saw as basically a you know serial killer in prison with the chip right and i wonder too you know and i wonder too how much i mean probably for him the fact that he could hurt her made it even more like amped up the like the sexual tension and like made it hotter for him to be like yeah i can hurt her and she can hurt me and you know And that's, we can be equals in, in that and we can knock down a building and, you know, while we're having sex and, you know, wake up in the rubble the next day. It's just, it's just a fascinating thing. And I think that the, 
seeing red is kind of the ultimate conclusion to it and i think it sort of leads to like that's the only place that it could have gone yeah which i think it, the has been said from behind you know the either joss or marty noxon have have certainly said that that was sort of what they saw this is what we created and the only way this could end was this way and i would agree that certainly seems the the most obvious conclusion to their relationship mm -hmm. with the way it went in season six yeah that being said i didn't have this thought until i was actually prepping for this episode and it sort of hit me and this goes back to who's doing the storytelling mm -hmm. and i feel weird to say this because in some ways i and i think a lot of it comes down to how james marsters played it but spike getting his soul and how that plays out in season seven is really magnificent to watch mm -hmm. and to watch him become a champion because I do think over time, like he was changing and I think yes. he's in the Buffy verse. I think he's the, an anomaly. Like we certainly, if Angelus got chipped, he would not do what Spike did. Right. Nor would Darla. I mean, they would have either immediately tried to figure out somebody to deactivate it or get it out, or they would have used minions to, you know, go after the initiative or whatever. But like, that's just not where Spike's thinking went. I mean, part of that is probably artificially created so that he could be on the show. And mm -hmm. he was kind of like, you know, the a foil for Buffy and a annoyance for Buffy and, um, you know, taking some of, of some of that Cordelia ro role along with Anya fulfilling mm -hmm. that, that true sayer who you don't, you don't want to hear from because they're too truthful. Right. And so I, you know, it's amazing to watch, but that being said, I realized that Spike's attempted rape of Buffy is about his story. It's about what he does to go for that soul that, that they felt the only way Spike would make that change is if he hurt Buffy and based on how their relationship went and how he thought of her, the only way he could hurt her is to sexually assault her it's not about buffy it's not about her story it's using mm. her assault to tell a man's story and that mm. is to me a really good example of like rape wow. culture wow that's a great point i i didn't i mean i'm sure there are people out there yelling at us going duh i saw that what you know from when it first happened but <laughs> for whatever reason it just like never hit me until now, until prepping for this episode and doing my research and thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, that's, I don't think that's a good thing. I mean, I really like that Spike went to get his soul. I just don't know that that's, that's a, that was the right thing to do, the way to get there. Right. And to, use, to use that assault on Buffy for his story. Right. And then also, maybe if they had done the other side of it, they'd focus more on Buffy's healing and Buffy dealing with how things went in that in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And they were sort of equally given time to deal with what went on. I'm my opinion might change, but I very much feel like this was a like we need to get Spike to this point. How are we going to do it? Oh yeah, let's have him rape Buffy. Sure, right. I mean, not that they were callous that way, but I I just yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, that even the fact that the creators and, uh, like, and us saying, like, or me saying, but, but that felt like the the natural conclusion of of this relationship is that he, that he rapes her or that he tries to rape her is 
in of itself sort of a pervasive thought of like yes. why is that why yes. is that th- the only place that it has to go there are probably no, it's there true. Are other options there really are other options why does that have to be the um and even when i said it i was like wait as soon as i said it i went but why why does yeah. that have to be the the choice that that gets made for that for that reason it doesn't it, there there are other ways yeah. so it's not the like rape is not the answer no rape is not the answer and i think what exacerbates the situation to me and makes it worse is the way they played it after he left her house and was freaking out and talking to clem in the crypt you get the implication that he is going to get the chip out right and end this once and for all mm-hmm. and i think that cheapens it so much i really wish they hadn't done that mm. like i they not that they could have out and out said he was going for the soul but i don't think they had to imply he was like going out like to get the chip and now really released like the the demon inside him right. it just felt it cheapened what happened and his reaction to it and why he had to go and change and do something about it right does that make sense? Yeah, because the the idea is that he's he didn't get to hurt her, and so then when he goes back, he's like, "No, I really do want to hurt her." It makes it right. sound like he wants to hurt her, as opposed yes. to I tried to I did something that hurt her, and that I never thought I would do to her, and that I didn't that a I don't think that he intended to, no, did. And then realized, yep. oh, fuck, I messed up. Damn it. I And then the hurt on yeah. her, like, and then it's like, I have to do, like, I can't be this person. Right. I can't be this person. Um, And yes, you heard me correctly, people. I think that Spike did not intend to rape Buffy. I think he probably would have had she not stopped him given their past history and how they engaged with sex and how they started any sex act with violence yeah and with her saying no and with her saying no and then giving into it that pattern she was just continuing the pattern that they had already established yep i agree and then when she you know when she falls against the tub and he keeps going and she's like, stop, stop, stop. He doesn't realize that that's no longer part of the game. Yeah. And so I think he would have done it and it would have been an act of rape. Absolutely. Is And again, like we've said, their relationship is not okay. Their relationship is toxic and it's harmful. And that's why it's harmful is because those lines are so blurred and it's, the potential for harm is so great. Yes. It's drastically increased when you're in a relationship when when it's based on violence and sex. Yeah. Just just saying, want to be clear about all of that. Yeah. Um, there was nothing good. There was nothing healthy. That is not an example anyone should live by. Right. I don't want angry emails being yeah. like... <laughs> What yeah, no, about? I mean, but you can also understand why people have, well, people are still discussing it today while it still has such a visceral, visceral reaction to it. Um, and why, you know, people won't go back and watch that part of the episode, if not mm-hmm. the whole episode. I mean, it is 
horrifying to watch the way mm-hmm. it's shot the way Buffy feels vulnerable in a way I don't think she's ever felt before yeah and she feels that we feel that Spike realizes that when she finally gets through to him and stops him yeah it's it's heartbreaking it's, really it's heartbreaking that's a great description and then you know to the point I made before it feels like it's to tell a man's story mm-hmm. it just that adds to the horror of it yeah. to me for me anyway that's I mean I love that point and I don't think I ever looked at it from that perspective either and I think it's a great way to examine that and to and to look at it and and again how just another reason or another way that the patriarchy and all of that like takes yeah. takes a woman's pain and makes it about themselves right and and carries that and you know then I get to you know then I get to be the the hero you know the redemptive story and and carry on and and it's okay because I'm I'm different now and I'm changing. Right. Um which everyone has the right to, you know, to be redeemed, I think, you know. I think I everyone would agree. Have, you know. I mean, that's a little bit of a, you know, not that we haven't gone inside directions in this episode. Um, you know, probably for another topic, but just to kind of quickly agree, I, I'm not one of those people who in this case doesn't think spike couldn't receive redemption Mm -hmm. whether or not there's any sort of romantic relationship between him and buffy going forward and again that's also you know probably for another discussion i do think you should give the opportunity for people to redeem themselves for forgiveness which i actually think the show very much has always been about that to me is never that has been a core component of the show and i think a core component of who buffy is right you know in some ways she wouldn't have people around her if Mm -hmm. she didn't forgive them right um now granted most most of us do not have to see the person who attempted to rape us yeah every day and so and when i say when i say redeeming i mean like in a real life situation you know that doesn't mean you have to like forgive that person and then be besties with them or anything like that it's just you know but you know because of story and because you know we're contained in this little box or whatever and he's still around they still have to deal with each other so um you know and i think they get to an interesting place i mean we could do a whole episode on just (laughs) buffy and spike's relationship as it you know as it is oh and then oh i'm sorry go ahead no go for it go for it well, no, I was just going to say, you know, we, there's a second elephant we need to discuss that does not discussed, get discussed enough. I was literally um, about to make that oh, transition. Sweet. <laughs> We're on the same page. See, this is why we've been friends for so long. <laughs> I was like, and so, so yeah, so the big one to discuss that, you know, draws a lot of controversy in the Buffy verse and amongst Buffy fans is Spike's attempted rape of Buffy. But the other one that we never discuss is what Faith does to Buffy and Riley. Yes. And again, like we said, it's a weird situation because it couldn't happen in our real life, but within the context of the show and in the context of consent and, you know, manipulation, I personally think Faith, by taking Buffy's body to have sex with Riley, when neither knows what she's doing, that Mm -hmm. is rape. 
Yeah, absolutely. It may not fit the legal definition, but to me, it fits the ethical, moral definition. For sure. For yeah. sure. Um, and that's and that's kind of, I mean, honestly, that's kind of her M.O. Yeah. You know, with Riley, with Xander, with, you yeah. know, it's it's kind of what she does. Um, mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. And I don't, I think sometimes people don't look at it that way. I think you know yeah i i mean i think people would argue that she didn't with with xander because he was like oh he really liked it or who wouldn't want that you know but i honestly i I think it's kind of a gray area because she just kind of like was like i'm just gonna do this and you know take what i want um it certainly feels like he gets caught up and pulled along whether that you know like you said, it, it it is definitely a gray area. Yeah. Um, but with Riley, I think it absolutely is. I think it absolutely yeah. is. I don't think there's a question about it because he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't, you know, and I get why Buffy is upset by the situation. I also don't think that it's... Her reaction, though, is a little off, I think, where she's like, what... The idea that she doesn't see Riley as a victim in in that case, she sees it more like as if he cheated. Right, it's more of a rather than he is. Yes, right. Rather than he's a victim. Yeah, and she, in some ways, I think she knows she's wrong, but I don't think she knows why she's wrong because I think that's where she fights against it. Like she doesn't want to be mad at him because she knows it's not his fault, but at the same time, she is. But you're Mm -hmm. right because I think she sees it, like we said, as a betrayal, not that. Riley was victimized as much as she was by right, him. right. And so, if you took that idea, even if you take the body swap out or whatever, if Faith came in and like just you know, it would be a. I mean, it would just be a very different story if Faith came in and just you know, if she like dressed as much as she could to look like Buffy with a wig and then drugged Riley, so right. he thought he was having sex with Buffy. Right. That's sort of like the closest you could probably get into to it in our world right that very soap opera yeah of like oh my god i didn't know um yeah you know and yeah but if you were not and and that also goes to say i mean i think we say you know there is sort of the equate of magic equaling drugs in their world and so you know i think you're right i think that's a great example of like that's the sort of real world equivalent is she single white female her and right. and drugged him yep and had sex with him um and he didn't and he didn't know and that's yep. not he couldn't know, give consent he couldn't give consent because he didn't know who you know who was driving so um and then yeah. even though you know riley's her boyfriend and she's been having sex with him buffy didn't consent to that moment because she wasn't in control of her own body right so there is, you know, plenty of... And and I think, so that's part of the problem is that the show doesn't see that as a type of rape mm-hmm. and doesn't discuss it. To me, that's where the failings of rape culture comes in. Because it's right. just, oh, Faith did this horrible but yet wacky thing. And right. then it's also about, like, Faith again. Because mm-hmm. she gets that moment of Riley being, like, loving. Mm-hmm. And she flips out. And, and I... 
understand that faith has her own trauma that's never dealt with and Mm -hmm. you know where it's coming from but that doesn't mitigate the fact of what she did right um and yet the show really is almost coming at it more from her perspective verse which is fine but in the aftermath there should have been more about how this is a kind of rape right um and they sort of just and they even brushed the whole thing off they sort of yeah it's only talked about one episode after really and it, they are just like oh okay and then we're done well then it's about like magical jonathan and superstar right. telling like having a conversation with buffy and getting them back together now you're like this feels really wrong even back then it felt wrong it feels <laughs> it very felt forced like, <laughs> yeah like we need to have some more conversation before we move forward again in this relationship because something really horrifying and traumatic has just happened that is completely like you know out of our control yeah for sure absolutely i think we you know they just kind of brush it off it's like oh well that happened get over it yeah exactly we need to tell the next we need to tell the next story yeah exactly we got to get to the big bad of the season right there's just so many examples of of these things happening and you know great and small yeah. Um. And I just, and just talking about that, I just kept like the pack just came into my head in that whole moment with Xander. Yeah. Um, There's another moment that probably could get a little bit more discussion. Yeah. That they sort of brush over the fact, and I think the, the idea that he says, "Well, I don't remember anything that happened." Yeah. You know. When we know for a fact that when those spells happen people remember like every other time yeah people have remembered what yeah. happened except in the in the moment where xander assaults buffy right and he conveniently I, forgets yeah and the thing with that storyline too is you you have the sexual assault attempt which is its own problem and you know incident to discuss but then the bigger piece is what does it say about xander as well and like what's underlying xander um and i think that goes back to we were talking in the first part um in our previous episode misogyny and that sense of there's that type of man you know we were discussing like warren and the insult culture that has that entitlement like Mm -hmm. I want this woman. She should do what I want. She should come to me. I think that was very much coming out as Xander was possessed. Right. And it just gets tempered more throughout the show, but we see peaks of it, glimpses of it. Right. um, Particularly throughout those high school years. And I think, I mean, the argument is made that it's because of the predator inside of him. And so it's not really him. There's also sort of the counter the counter scene of that and bewitched bothered and bewildered when Buffy comes to him in the trench coat and then nothing underneath and she starts to take it off and he's like you have no idea how much this actually would mean to me if you really wanted this but I know that you don't so I I can't and she remembers that and you know he gets points for that um yeah, I think to me what it says, it's not that we should like be put Xander down and say he's worthless and right. 
you know um he's as we said in the previous episode he's a complex character Mm -hmm. um you know some of it serves a purpose some of it feels again gratuitous right but i think what this shows is if xander didn't have the a bit of the moral center that he does doesn't have the people in his life Mm -hmm. he could go in that direction i mean i think we we again we said that in the last episode he very much could turn into a warren yeah on the wrong path right um and that's what that shows agreed agreed are there others i mean there's or i mean we listed so many i don't think we have time to go through yeah definitely go through all of them no i think those are the the most significant ones maybe the the other most significant one would be what giles does to buffy and helpless I would, test. yeah i mean that's that's pretty um that's pretty significant mm-hmm. um i think that's a pretty key point for sure and in, in their development i mean i think it goes into her her ability to trust yeah. people i mean that's uh, yeah it's a huge violation of her of her body of her mind especially for a young woman who has been betrayed by her father, mm-hmm. has been abandoned, has been betrayed by her first love and lover in ways beyond even just a normal boy, bad boyfriend. And then now you have Giles doing this to her mm-hmm. um, and following the orders of an incredibly patriarchal organization right. that sees the Slayer only as a tool and even though it's not said, I know there's, you know, a lot of, of fans interpret the test as either really a way to clean house of either weak slayers mm-hmm. or problematic slayers. Yeah. It's it's not stated, but I think that's a great interpretation of the test. Oh, and for sure. Obviously to the council, a problematic slayer. Absolutely. I, yeah, for sure. Because it, because for them, it doesn't matter if she lives or dies. Right. Um, because there'll just be another one. Well, and they already have Faith, which they would probably then uh, do something to her to get rid of her. Right. So they could have a more... Which is interesting, though, controllable because... Controllable Slayer. The test happens in... On your 18th birthday. On her 18th birthday. So that's season three. So, mm-hmm. so they have Faith. So why doesn't Faith get put through that test? Well, see, that's that is a really good question because within the show itself they never are clear about how old faith is right the only time is in one of the slayer dreams she says big sis like you're trying to fill big sis's sister's shoes Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily literally mean face older i mean you could take it that way right if she is i don't think it's a huge difference but then if she was she would have already been through this test wouldn't she perhaps I mean, because she had watchers before. She had a watcher before and her watcher died. So, you know, or if you're called because there's because there's no telling when you will get called. And so if it happens after you're 18, does it do you still have to do the test? That's a good point. If she was called when she was called, she was already past 18 or she was 18, but already past her 18th birthday. Right. That's a really good point. I mean, that's where. We've, we've said, or I've said before, 
not having the concrete world building mm-hmm. leaves you with all these questions. Right. There's because a lot that's of not, the, Those details to them didn't matter to Joss Whedon. Like I said, he was more about what's the emotional arc? What's mm-hmm. the emotional journey? Um, and for the most part, that's fine. But I do think this is where those weaknesses show up. Right. Right. But then it also leaves us with a lot more to talk about. It's, it's this is true. Like, why didn't this happen, or what? What yeah, would have happened? Nothing to if? set in stone, so we can be like, "Here's my interpretation." This is what's going on. Yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, so yeah, I would say that was probably a pretty big betrayal of Giles to Buffy. Yeah. Um, you know that that certainly impacted their relationship. And it happens during a season where they're trying to recover from what Angelus did. And then the fact that she kept Angel being back, mm-hmm. hidden from him. But in the same time, because he does step up in the end and he gets fired, but he still stays around, unlike, you know, her father. Right. I think that does a lot to repair the relationship and goes a long way to rebuilding that trust. Right. Right. Um, I think it helps Giles too to break his council patriarchy mentality as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it allows him to grow. Yeah, and not just be a a suit, as it were. Yes, you which know. ironically that was that was a great example of using the wardrobe in the show where he transitions out of the tweed suits and becomes a little more casual, and then you have right. Wesley coming in in his little in his little suits. He's um, like, no Wesley. I know. Wesley Wyndham Price, um, which is funny because he's a discussion for another day. He is, and it's just, and it is funny because they, it's, it's interesting of all the times that there are issues with the the disparagement and age, like the age differences between people. It's funny that specifically when Wesley wants to date Cordelia, mm-hmm. Giles is like. Oh, go talk to her. She's 18. It's fine. You can go talk to her. And they make, like, it's a very pointed statement that yeah. she is 18 and that he has, like, it is legally okay. But I guess because everyone else is a demon or a vampire or whatever, that there is no age of consent because they live forever and so it doesn't matter. Yeah, as, I mean, I, I guess that's the a... point that they're trying to make or whatever. It, it's that's another example of like playing it for humor and you're like, mm, yeah, it's funny. But then you think about it and you're like, it's not funny. Uh, it's funny because the actors do a funny job with it. Right. But Giles should not have told. Well, yeah, Giles shouldn't have told Wesley to go and it's go dance with her. It is inappropriate, even if she is 18. But again, that's also like problematic where you don't know how old Wesley is. Right. Um, you know, do you base it off the actor's real age? Because then the gap, I think, becomes bigger. But, right. you know, if he's, like, supposed to be just out of the Watchers Academy in, like, 26, him having a dance with her, the school dance, is it's not the end of the world. Right. But, again, that, that lack of information changes the context of mm-hmm. the situation. Right. If he's in his 30s, it's... Like he, even him dancing with her is not yeah, okay. Is, no. Um, but if he's in his like twenties, his like mid to late twenties, it's like, mm, yeah, it's just well, questionable. The, the other <laughs> side of it is the fact that the actress herself is so much older than her character. Right. Sure. I think that's the other side of it too. Like she, she actually is not that age. She does not look that age, especially by the, probably by the, you know, 
third the third season so mm-hmm. that plays into it too that confusion of how should i interpret this whole situation right but overall i would say not a good call giles yeah not yeah so um well so we've kind of we've come to the end of this discussion and we've come to the end of our season so we want to just do a quick little wrap up on the season and go back to our original discussion question which is buffy a feminist show charles is it i feel like within the context of what is feminism and and what feminism has attempted to do over the various um phases and over the years and as it changes i would say no i would say it has moments of empowerment i think there does do some really great female storytelling um and even male storytelling within a a female show Mm -hmm. But overall, no, it is not a feminist show because yeah. there are particularly in these last two discussions, especially the rape culture discussion, it just mm-hmm. it is perpetuated throughout that show too much to me to be a feminist show. Yeah, I don't I don't think it is. Um, I would agree with that. I definitely don't think it is. It There are too many things that that it misses the mark on to yeah. to qualify. And it doesn't. And it. it certainly is empowering i think that's a good word to use i think it empowers um but it is not a feminist show um yeah and i think you can have messy complicated characters and a messy complicated mm -hmm. show and still be aiming to be a feminist show this is just a messy complicated show with messy complicated characters that doesn't also have the other part right for uh, for many of the reasons we've discussed in the last few episodes, right? So and and it's and it's interesting because we we and I think that question is important because particularly because Joss Whedon has always said, "Well, I'm a feminist and I'm a feminist," yeah. you know, and I was raised by a feminist and all of that stuff, and has sort of touted that and carried that with him. So I think it's you know asking that question overall is sort of an important question to ask did you know did it fulfill the promise well, and i think too even if you argued for the show itself being a feminist show i think you still have to say no when you understand the stories being told by women and men who worked on the show that mm-hmm. did not have positive experiences with joss whedon right and there was a toxic environment and a toxic leadership and toxic relationships to me a truly feminist show is from the ground up it's Mm -hmm. not just what you see on screen it's everything happening behind the scenes it's trying to change the structure of how tv shows are made giving women and um, other minority voices more opportunities and it just didn't happen on that show yeah from casting on to yeah. you know to the stories that were told so yeah agreed so i mean it's still the show still has value we can still learn from it i think you learn from mistakes as much as you mm-hmm. do success yeah um so it doesn't I, mean the show needs to go away it just means that we have to understand the context and understand all the aspects of it and to say, and this coming from two people who love the show and have been watching the show yes. for like the best 25 yes. years. Yes. Like, and 
will continue to watch it. Yeah. Um, and as we all grow and evolve as our culture and society, and we personally grow and evolve, our opinions will probably change again. I know my opinion of the show has certainly changed from watching it, you know, when I was 20 years old. Um, I had a different understanding of myself and a different understanding of the world back then. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I think that's what makes it such a good show because yeah. it, I think it holds up in the way that it allows us to reflect on who we are mm-hmm. based on the point in time in which that show was made. Yeah, that's a great and we point. Get to, we get to sort of reevaluate ourselves and what's going on based on the show because it gives you so many great examples of of good storytelling, of bad storytelling, of good production, of bad production, of, you know funny endearing heartwarming moments of really great interesting you know plot lines some really great fashion some really awful fashion it allows you to sort of look at all of it and it just um in an entertaining way but you can still even though you're being entertained you can still learn absolutely well thank you everyone for joining us for this our first season we hope you enjoyed it um we definitely again want to hear what you think of both this episode and the season as a whole if you have any suggestions or thoughts for a future season's big bad theme we would definitely love to hear that you can hit us up on instagram and facebook at a buffy podcast or you can email us uh, for those of you that still email at uh podcast at gmail.com so thank you all again. It's been an amazing season. Kate, thank you for putting this to, you know, for suggesting that we do this and making this a thing for us because yeah. I thoroughly well, enjoyed it. taking this journey with me. I think it's been a great first season. <laughs> yeah, it's been so much fun. And I look forward to doing more of these and seeing what else, what other fun things that we can talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you all so much. We look forward. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, Share it with a friend. Share it with another Buffy fan because that's how we grow as a family. Um, And if anybody that you know watches Buffy and you're hearing this, please share this with them Um, because we just we love to keep the conversation going and we love hearing other people's thoughts and opinions on the show. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.